Chapter 2 A Shallow Hallelujah Many people traveled long and far to see Jesus. These people saw miracles, received healings, and were set free from demons. Jesus blessed many during his ministry, but few people followed Jesus. One statement that Jesus was known for saying was, Those who have ears, let them hear. Those who have eyes, let them see. My prayer for this chapter is that we wouldn't miss what Jesus is trying to say or do through this story I'm about to share. There is a climactic moment in the gospel where Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. In your Bible, you can find it in Matthew verses chapter 21, Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19, and in John chapter 12. In your Bible, it's most likely called the triumphal entry. What makes this entrance into Jerusalem special was that many Jews believed that the Messiah would come to Jerusalem to redeem them from the Roman Empire and to restore their rightful place before God and the world. The Messiah would then become the true King of the Jews. It's important to note that Jesus wasn't the first Messiah to travel to Jerusalem. There were some who came before his entry and there were some who came after. By this time in Jesus' ministry, Jesus had a reputation for being a powerful man of God. When the word spread that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, many people gathered and even worshipped him as he entered the city. Ultimately, Jesus' entry was the fulfillment of what one of the prophets said in the Old Testament in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. This is one of the few times in Jesus' ministry where he allowed people to worship him. As a result, thousands of people started singing, Hosanna in the highest. It's implied in the story that these same people who were worshipping Jesus a few days later would be the ones to yell, Crucify him. What's crazy about this story is Jesus would have known their worship was in some ways shallow, yet he received it. Jesus loved the people who killed him on the cross. This love Jesus has for people goes beyond any love we have ever seen or can experience outside of him. To this day, Jesus will receive our shallow hallelujah, knowing that tomorrow we may betray him, because his love for us isn't conditioned upon our actions. His love is constant. When we look at this idea of surrendering, we need to understand that surrendering isn't about having it all figured out. It is not about us having the most in-depth understanding of what it means to walk with Jesus. Jesus isn't looking at your resume or measuring your intentions. He is simply just looking for your yes. Whether you realize it or not, you are already saying yes to something. Why not just say yes to him? The call to surrender is the call to say yes. Jesus can receive your shallow hallelujah, but what Jesus desires from you is your full yes. In a different part of the gospel, Jesus tells his disciples and the surrounding crowd, if you want to gain your life, you must lose it. The call to surrender is the call to give everything over. Every fear, doubt, dream, and desire. Surrender to Jesus. Too many followers of Jesus want to follow Jesus only to where it doesn't cost them anything. Comfort, security, dreams, desires, etc. The sad part is that we don't realize, on the other side of our surrender is a life so full we can barely comprehend it. It's a life full of joy in a way only few experience. It is a life full of peace in ways that go beyond our understanding. It is also a life full of tears for those who are suffering. Most times it is a life marked by betrayal and pain. It's a life full of sacrifices. It's also very much a life that is adventure like no other. I have cried tears that have turned into wailing and laughed to the point that my stomach hurts, all because of following Jesus. I wouldn't trade a life fully surrendered to God for anything in this world. 
but don't kid yourself. There is a cost in following Jesus fully. There's also a reward that goes beyond anything you can find in this world. The reward of knowing Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about this reward we receive when we follow Jesus. Paul, in describing his surrendering, says he does it so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that I may, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Those who surrender fully experience both the suffering of Jesus Christ while simultaneously experiencing the joy of the resurrection. My question for you as you read this chapter is what does your hallelujah sound like today? Is it shallow or is it deep? What are you not willing to surrender to Jesus? Maybe you're reading this and you're saying to yourself, you don't know if there's anything you haven't already surrendered. Or maybe you're reading this and saying, I'm good to surrender a lot of things, but I can't surrender everything. Whether you're one of those people or somewhere in the middle, the rest of the section of this book will look at what Jesus called the greatest commandment, loving God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength.